Okay, today we're going to read out of Psalm 37, verses 1 through 9. I encourage you, I beg you, I plead with you, read the entire chapter several times this week. It's 40 verses. There's no way that I could preach and break down 40 verses in one sermon. So we're going to go through the first nine. And I believe that this will bring some, are you ready for it? Homeostasis to your lives. Homeostasis, word of the day. Try to use that in a sentence, folks. So some years ago, we won't talk about how many, I went to the University of Oklahoma. I graduated. I've got my OU cup of water today. Uh, Boomer Sooner, come on, baby. And I studied microbiology and biochemistry. And then I worked in the scientific industry with PhDs and MDs in research labs for, I don't know, 15 years or so, the last eight of which were at MD Anderson. And it was my job to supply them with everything that they needed to do their research. So everything from multi-million dollar mass spectrometer machines to 50 cent rubber stoppers. Anything they needed, we got it for them. Oncology, knockout, gene mice, anything, we got it. So scientific stuff. So I'm trained to think in a scientific way. And I think it's, it's very sweet of the Lord that he'll speak to us in a way that we can understand. And so this week, as I was reading this chapter, I just felt, uh, I heard the Holy Spirit in my spirit say, homeostasis. And I know what that means. It's a word that's used mostly in the biological world. And I mean, you can use it in other contexts, but it's really, it's, it's used in the biological world. And it means that a cell, it's the ability of a cell or an organism to maintain equilibrium despite changing factors, internal or external. So our bodies have an ability to maintain equilibrium. Think of a a kid standing in the middle of a teeter-totter trying to balance the board. This last semester, I'm in school. I'm getting my Bachelor's of Science of Nursing. I graduate in December. (sighs) I know, it feels like everybody's been on the journey with me. But... A lot of times, this last semester, I was actually a tutor for uh, students that were coming into the nursing program. It was their first semester. I tutored pathophysiology. And in the first two years of, of getting your nursing degree, you learn in silos. So you learn chemistry, and you learn biology, and you learn nutrition, and you learn anatomy. And then when you get into nursing school, it's sort of a shock to the system of a lot of these students because now everything's all together. You're actually learning how nutrition and chemistry of that nutrition affects the body. And it's hard to sort of get this concept because we've learned systems as either being on or off. And in our bodies, they're not on or off. They're on and off, on and off, on and off, maintaining this equilibrium, maintaining this balance, this proper, perfect, because our bodies are tough and they have backup systems. So if one system fails, you actually have what's called compensatory, it's hilarious. If you ever get to watch one of my tutoring videos, I butcher every single one of the words. The students stinking loved it because I just, it was, it was, my videos were funny because I butchered all the words, but that's fine. Like they knew what I meant. It's in the book. They know what I mean. So you actually have systems to compensate. If one system starts to fail, then another system will step up and try to balance out to maintain that equilibrium so that your body can continue to not just survive, but actually thrive, right? And so I feel like this chapter, it's a key 
to bring balance to us in this time. Now, I'm not going to say it's the key, but it's a key to bring balance. And so I feel like um, everything that happened in worship, the words that were given, um, the exhortations, the mini-sermons, it, it's all building to this, and it's um, very reassuring to me that I've got the right message for the right day for us. So we're going to read uh, verses 1 through 9, and I, I, I really believe this will help us sort of find our footing when everything seems to be shaking. You know, in the U.S., between the shutdown, the, the isolation, the quarantine, all the rioting and the, the looting and even some of the, the things that are going on in our government, you know, for so long as, as Americans, we've had faith in certain institutions, and those very institutions are being shaken. Our culture is being shaken. Our, our economy has been shaken. Our ability to even do normal things like shopping and going out to eat and going to school has been shaken, and people are shaken, including at times us, right? I mean, I'll be transparent. I've been shaken some. Over the last few months, it's, it's, there's been times where I've had, you know, yeah, I'm a victor, I'm going to overcome. And then there's times I'm shaking in the closet and, you know, I'm a little scaredy cat. Like, at times I can seem really, like, like I have a lot of bravado, but, but really on the inside, I'm, I'm a little scaredy cat. <laughs> and, that, and, it's, and there's a lot of fear that I have to battle and wage. And I believe that this is, is a, script, a group of scriptures that will help us. So let's just read verses 1 through 9. Turn to your Bibles. Verse 1, do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. It's, it's good stuff, eh? Now, let me give you some uh, contextual, uh, let, me, let me fill in some color here. When it's talking about those, they, who, in this chapter, evil is personified, meaning it's, it's, it's put to a person. But we know, according to scripture, we do not fight against flesh and blood. People are not our enemy. No matter what religion what nationality, what color, what sexual orientation, what criminal history. We don't get to throw out people. People are not our enemy. It is rulers and principalities and rulers of the air. It's, it is the devil. We have a very real enemy that hates us. He hates all people, not just us as Christians. He hates all people because Jesus died and Jesus loves all people, all people that ever lived and all people that ever will live. And so he hates everything that God loves. And so in this scripture, when it's talking about those who are doing wrong, do not think of people. Do not think of people on the opposite side of your political stance. Do not think of people on the opposite side of your 
cultural stance. Do not think of people on the opposite side of, of what you may feel about abortion. It's, it's not about people. This is talk, this, according to the Bible, we do not fight flesh and blood. We fight spiritual things. So in this scripture, when you see that personified thing, realize that we are talking about spiritual things. So, and then you're also, just a little FYI, you're going to get some grammatical lessons. My mom is an English teacher. So we're going to look at this because it, it makes a point. All right, first, first verse. Do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. Now, this is a command sentence. Do not fret. The you, the subject, remember subject, verb, adverbs, adjectives, remember all of that? The subject is understood. You. You are the subject. And so it's a command. Do not fret. Period. Well, there's not a period, but... You get what I'm saying? Do not fret. We don't have a choice. We say, if we're going to hold true to what we say, that we're bought with our price, that we are not our own, that we've surrendered to Christ, that obedience is greater than sacrifice. Like we say all these things. And so if we're going to hold true to what we've said, do not fret is a command, which means we don't get to fret. <laughs> it's not a luxury we get to have to worry, to ruminate, to meditate, to freak out, to fear. We don't, we don't get to do that. Now, I'm not saying we don't do it. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, according to the scripture, and don't get mad at me, this is what God said here, do not fret because of those who are evil. See, this whole chapter, it's contrast. They're doing this, and this is how you behave. They're doing this, and this is how you think. They're doing this, and this is your motivation. It's a, it's a scripture of contrasting. It's not just when everything is going well, because it's talking about a lot of evil stuff that's happening. And so it's not when everything's going good, and your life is blessed, and, and everything's honky-dory, but it's talking about in the midst of fear, in the midst of evil stuff going on, in the midst of what seems like overwhelming the, the bad guys are always winning. We do not fret. We just don't because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. You know, there's even a turn of phrase within our lexicon that says good guys always come last. Good guys always come last. Sometimes it can be tempting to actually be envious of the evil that we see because it seems like they're winning. Now, I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about evil demonic things. It seems like the demonic is winning. It seems like the church is shrinking, our rights, our abilities. We hear about persecution around the world, and it seems like the church is shrinking, and that evil is winning, and sometimes it can be tempted to be like, man, why can't we just have it easy like they do every once in a while? And this is a command. See, this is a, it's a double verb here. Do not fret. That's, that's really the verb. Do not fret, or do not be envious. See, Two verbs, of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like the green plants, they will soon die away. We are not wishing people will die. <laughs> like, do not, you do not think that that person at work that just needles you and picks on you and, and gets people to try to turn against you and they talk about you, you do not get to wish that they die. <laughs> like that's not, we're not wishing that they would wither away and pass along like the grass, like bye-bye. No, no. But then we go down to verse 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. 
Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. See, trust in the Lord and do good. That is not independent of the verses before it. Trust in the Lord even when evil is happening all around you. Do good even when evil is happening all around you. I know that at times with mob mentality and social media idiocy and everything else that's going on, it can be very tempting to be my four and no more. I'm going to go dig a cave, and we're going to hoard toilet paper and water and cans of tuna, and we'll come back out when y'all have found your minds again because you've obviously all lost them. But that's not what we get to do. See, we trust in the Lord. Again, this is another command. The you is understood. You trust in the Lord. See, trusting in the Lord undoes the fretting. When I fret... It's like I'm saying, God, you're not in control, and you're not going to do what you said you were going to do, and it's looking really scary out here, and I have zero faith. Zero! And so the trusting part is what undoes the fretting part. See, this is where the rubber meets the road. The proof is in the pudding. Like, this is where we, we really, do we believe what we believe, or are we just playing church? How's it going to be? Am I going to stop tithing because the economy is scary and I don't know what's, what's going to happen? Am I going to stop praying for people because they're on the opposite side of, of some political stance from me? Or am I going to trust God and do good even in the midst of what seems like swelling evil? Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Dwell in the land. That doesn't mean that we don't know what's going on. It doesn't mean that we stick our head in the sand. It doesn't mean that we isolate ourselves. I mean, you know, during the quarantine, everybody was isolated. But I'm talking about in a spiritual sense. I'm not going to isolate myself from somebody that I disagree with. I'm going to get to this later. But let me just tell you, as Christians, we don't get to be a part of cancel culture. We don't cancel people. We do not cancel people. We do not cancel people. And so even people that we disagree with vehemently, we don't like their political stance, we don't like their philosophical stance, we don't like their theological stance. Like, it doesn't matter how, how much we may disagree with the very core of everything, we do not cancel. We don't cancel. And so we dwell in the land. Now, I'm a very positive person. I mean, like anybody, I've got my gripes and my complaints, and I might go through times where everything is sort of, negative, but then I, I get out of it. Like, I can't stay there very long. And so I've been accused of being a little Pollyanna. But let me tell you something. It's not easy to be positive, okay? It is easy. It is easy to recognize everybody's idiocy and their stupidity and their inability to hit the pedal on the, on the right and go when the light is green, like, go. Like, it's, it is very, very easy to see all the bad stuff that is happening in the world. It is not so easy to mine for the good. And so I, I don't want anybody to think that I'm saying that we shouldn't watch the news. Well, well, I am kind of saying that in a way. If you want some peace, quit watching the news. It's not news anymore. It's propaganda on all sides. It's propaganda. Like, just, just stop. But point is, we shouldn't be ignorant of what's happening in our culture. This is not saying that we um, 
remove ourselves from society, but we are in society. We are moving through the people. We are rubbing shoulders with those that may rub us the wrong way. We are, we are interacting with people that we may not disagree with, but we dwell in the land and we enjoy safe pasture. Do you know what a pasture is? A big flat area with grass, and what's it used for? Feeding things. Feeding sheep, feeding cows, horses, giraffes, elephants, whatever. Feeding things, right? Later on in this chapter, in another verse, in another version, it actually says, the Lord says to feed of him, to feed on him. He is our good pasture. It's not saying that we won't have to work hard. Anything worth having in life is working hard. You have to work for it. It's not saying that there might not be the bad things that happen to us. Okay, I've, I've, I've lost money in the stock market. I'm, I'm living off of my savings, and I've watched it kind of dip down a little bit, but it doesn't mean that I'm not still eating of good things in the good pasture that is my Lord. I can have peace in the midst of the storm. I can have peace in the midst of economic loss. I can have peace in the midst of relationship loss. I can have peace in the midst of anything that's going on when I feed myself on the Lord. Chapter 4, or verse 4. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, just it doesn't just say he will give you the desires of your heart. It's saying take delight in him even in the midst of all the evil that's going on. Take delight in him. Now, I'm going to make a stereotypical statement. Stereotypes are based on generalizations that can be found amongst some people. I'm not saying that all girls are like this in all places. I'm just saying that at times, some of us have been that girl, and we've known that girl. But there are those girls that when they're dating a cowboy... They've got the Ropers and the Wranglers and the Cowboy Hat and Garth Brooks. And then when they're dating a guy that's a football player, they've got like the football jersey and they know all the stats on the QB and the RB and the LB and the blah, 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 blah. And then when they're dating the nerd, they've got the glasses and their hair's in the ponytail and they're not wearing any makeup and they're carrying around an Einstein book, right? Like they tend to kind of mold themselves to whatever, to whoever they're dating, when we delight ourselves in the Lord, like it or not, that sort of happens to us. We begin to think like he thinks. We begin to talk like he talks. We begin to be motivated like he's motivated. And so then when the desires of our heart come up, it may or may not be the Bugatti that we want or the, or the Mercedes or whatever. Bugatti is a very fancy car. Um, but it's, it's actually the salvation of that lost loved one. It's actually the deliverance of those bound in drug addiction. It's actually the deliverance of those bound in schizophrenia. It's actually the deliverance of those that are lost and going to hell, and they come to know Jesus. See, God wants to change the very desires of our heart, but that doesn't come by just, just wanting it to happen, but it comes as we sit in his presence and we delight ourselves in him. There is a transference of spirit. There's an impartation of how he thinks, how he talks, how he desires, and we actually begin to take on his desire, and his desire is people. His desire is souls. And so verse 5 says, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. 
He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn. Come on, that's thunder from heaven. He's, he's, he's cheering me on. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Commit your way to the Lord and trust in him. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. See, now, if we're talking spiritually here, not about people, you might be wondering, how am I vindicated? If the person who rejected me never knows how, my, how well I made it. How am I vindicated if the boy who stood me up for the date doesn't see me now? How am I vindicated if all those people that said I was never going to make it, that I wasn't smart enough and, and I wasn't good enough, and they don't know how rich I am now or, or the car I drive now? How am I vindicated? Well, remember, this is about spiritual things, not people, right? And so when you commit yourself to the Lord and you trust in him, all of a sudden that rejection, that abandonment, that hurt, that pain, that anger, that unforgiveness, that begins to fall away from you as his love and his blessing and his Holy Spirit begins to move in you. And in the spirit realm, there's nothing better than a thumb in the devil's eye that he was trying to use someone to destroy you. He was trying to use someone to drive you into a place of destiny that God does not have for you based on I need to prove that I'm okay. I need to prove that I'm smart. I need to prove that I'm beautiful. I need to prove that I'm successful. I need to prove this. And whenever you're able to break free from that, it's a thumb in the devil's eye. It is a vindication that, sign, that shines like the noonday sun that says, I am free from everything that you had for me. See, if we're going to talk about spiritual things, let's talk about spiritual things. The vindication is not against people. It's against demonic things. Because you don't know what was happening in that person's life. And the devil was using them like a tool. Not to be harsh, but, you know, the term comes to mind, useful idiot. And I'm, I'm not saying that they, they're idiots. I'm not, I'm not calling any people idiots. But the devil used the hurts, the wounds, the spiritual, generational things in that person's life to get at you. And many other people, not just you. I guarantee you, if they hurt you, they've hurt a whole lot of people. Because the devil is mean, he doesn't fight fair, and he does destruction wherever he goes. He's here to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to kill your dreams. He wants to steal your hope. He wants to destroy your life. And if he can destroy a bunch of other people's, he's as happy to take as much collateral damage with him as he can. And so there is no better vindication in the spirit realm to be set free from every entanglement, every issue, every emotional wound, every mental problem, every health issue that the devil has tried to throw at you. Vindication. Verse 7. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Semicolon. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Period. A semicolon between two sentences means that those two sentences are entwined. They're entangled. They're, they're dependent on one another. They're commingled. It's not a period and starting a new sentence to where it's a new thought. It means that these two go together. They're so closely associated that we use a semicolon. And so is it ever easy to be still and wait patiently when we see people, evil people, not people, evil demonic realms 
succeeding in their ways. When you see evil succeeding, that is not the time that you want to be still and be patient. That's the time that you want to take out your sword and take out your shield and start to do things. But the Bible says that we're supposed to be still and be patient. So I want you to close your eyes. This is not meditation. This is not yoga. This is not new age. Everybody close your eyes. It's okay. You can trust me. I know what all those are, and I know this is not that. So it's okay. Close your eyes. Breathe in through the nose, out through the mouth. This is not meditation. It's okay. This is not new age. It's okay. In and out. Jesus, I thank you that you are king of all kings. You are strong. You are powerful. You are almighty, and you are not surprised. You are not shocked. You're not on your heels. You are in control. And I can trust you. You are not a liar. You do not lie. Every promise that you have given, you will do. Because you are good and you are not evil. You're not mean. You're not vengeful. You're not sarcastic. You're not spiteful. You're not demeaning. Lord, you are so good. You are kind. I love you, your mercy, your mercy on my life, Jesus. Thank you for it. I was so lost. I was so hurt. I didn't know who I was. You saved me. You saved me from me. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. See, now in this place, you can have patience because you have trust, because you've reminded yourself of who and what he does, and he is. You can open your eyes. I encourage you this week, do that every day. Two minutes, five minutes, ten minutes, thirty minutes, one hour, whatever, whatever you can do. Turn off the silly news. Quit looking at Instagram or Snapchat or Facebook or whatever. You know, put that stuff down. Turn off the TV and settle yourself. Bring some equilibrium because we're getting flooded, just, just absolutely flooded with everything that's wrong, it's sensationalized, it's magnified, it's, it's, it's repeated over and over and over and over again. I've seen montages where all the newscasts, all the local, national, they'll use the same exact phrase, grave milestone, grave milestone, we hit a grave milestone today. Like they all use the same exact phraseology on some stories. Like we are being inundated with the seeming success of evil. We need to bring some homeostasis to our spirit man, right? And, and turn and, and settle ourselves and wait patiently on the Lord, even in the midst of the evil. There's something about waiting patiently on him, even in the midst of evil, that it's it's harder when, when everything's going good, you can be patient because you're happy and, and things seem to be going good. But when you're struggling and things are scary, it, it can be a little harder because you're like, come on, God, any day now, any day now, can you come through with this, please? It's a little harder to be patient when you're revved up. See, impatience, if you'll notice, generally, impatience involves movement. Have you ever noticed that? A kid impatiently trying to go to the bathroom? 
please, I gotta go. You know, you're sitting at the light and you're impatient. You're like tapping the, the steering wheel. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. You're standing in line at Walmart and the person in front of him has 25,000 coupons and ping, ping. What do you do? You start tapping your foot. Impatience has movement associated with it. Whereas patience, still. Now we can be active on the outside and still be very still on the inside. We can be going out for walks, not in this rain, but going out for walks. We can be exercising. We could be living busy lives. I know some of you are moms to young kids. You never get to sit still. Maybe even with older kids, you never get to sit still. There's always something to cook and something to clean and some booger to wipe and, and something, some hands to wash and there's food to, you know, and I, I saw some video about, you know, I like to cook and then clean so I can cook again, so I can clean, so I can cook again, so I can clean. And that's really, during this isolation time, that's what some of the moms have really felt like and some of the single people, yeah. So, uh, so you know, there's, there's, we can be busy, but still on the inside. We can be moving and have motion, but still on the inside. It says, do not fret. Now, notice this is the second time it says, do not fret. And again, this is a command sentence. The you is understood, so you do not fret. When people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes, we don't get to fret. This is the second time in seven verses that he says, do not fret. I think God's saying something. Like when he says it a, a few times, you know, that's one of the, the mainstays of teaching. You've got to say it, then you've got to say it again, and then you've got to say it a different way, and then you, you come in from a different way, and then maybe you demonstrate it, and then maybe you show it on the board, and then maybe you have somebody draw it out. Like there's different ways of, of teaching, but do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Verse 8 Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret, third time, do not fret, it leads only to evil. Refrain from anger. I have been angry over the last several weeks. I have been angry at the pain that I've seen. I've been angry at the loss that I've seen people have lost businesses, they've lost family members. I've been angry over just the turmoil and, and the, the stress and even just sort of the push that I have felt that you've got to take one side or another. Like there's, there's, there's been this cultural push, and if you're not on social media that much, maybe you haven't felt it, but if you're on Instagram and, and all these other places, it's, it's like there, there's a push from the enemy to, to make a statement of where we stand. It's either this or it's that. Well, you know what's funny is that the Pharisees kept coming to Jesus trying to catch him in that exact trap. Jesus, should we pay taxes to Caesar or should we pay taxes to the temple? Where do you stand, Jesus? Because if you say Caesar, we're going to stir up all the Israelites against you because they hate the Romans. They have taken over our country. They have crucified 600 of them on a road. They... they tax us they beat us they've taken our wives they've taken our children we hate the romans so if you say that we're supposed to pay taxes to caesar we'll get the israelites to hate you but if you say that we should pay taxes to the temple we're going to run over to the romans and tell them that you're trying to incite rebellion and so we're going to get you on that side and so jesus was in this place of no win i have so 
felt that over the last several weeks. There's a no, it's no win. No matter what you do, somebody's gonna get mad. Wear a mask, don't wear a mask. Isolate, don't isolate. Go out in public, don't go out in public. You're selfish if you go in public. You're selfish if you don't go in public. Don't you know it's a political conspiracy? Like it doesn't matter what you do, somebody's gonna be upset. And so here, we don't get to be angry. And we have to turn from wrath. Here, Jesus elevates it. Because what, what that does, when they make you pick a side, it pits you, us against them. That's what's happening, us against them. And there is no us in them. There's us, because Jesus died for all of us. Jesus died for all of us. And so again, we don't get to cancel people. We don't get to cancel the pedophile that's in prison. Now, he should be in prison. He broke a law. We have to have laws to maintain a civil society. And you have to implement those laws to maintain a civil society. Otherwise, it's the wild, wild west. Every man out there for himself. You get vigilanteism and mob rule. And that's not how our society, that's not how a safe and prosperous society moves forward. So I'm not saying that people get off with the excuse, the devil made me do it. You do the crime, do the time come back into society, we don't cancel people. We don't cancel people. We do not cancel the prisoners. We do not cancel our political opponents. We do not cancel those that are on the other side of a border. We do not cancel others that, are, that observe a different religion. They may be wrong. We may disagree. We may politically spar. We may vote in a different way, but we do not cancel people. People are not our enemy. They're not our enemy. They are lost. And what they do here, what we do here, and what they do here determines where they will spend eternity. And over the last, I don't know, six months, nine months, a year, the Lord has just, eternity was not anything that I ever thought of. I mean, yes, you know, heaven, hell, but it seemed very abstract. It seemed very out there. It, you know, it's after you die, and I'm not going to die for a long time. I'm young. I'm healthy. I take my vitamins. It's fine. I ride my bike. Like, it's fine. But see, it's not just about me, because I know where I'm going. But it's about those around me. They're dying, and they're spending eternity in hell. They never get another chance. You die once. And there's, there's no second chance after that. There's lots of chances when you're here. But once your heart stops, that, that line goes flat, there's no more brain waves going, it's done. And people are spending either eternity in heaven or in hell. And so we do not have the luxury, we do not have the right to hate another person or to cancel them. And so we must refrain from anger Turn from wrath, and for a third time, do not fret. It leads only to evil. If you're wondering what your fretting does, it's leading you to evil. It is a trap of the enemy to take you down. It causes you to distrust, not believe what God has said. It causes you to hold on to unforgiveness, because when you fret, it's worry. Sometimes it's on the other side of pain. Somebody did something, they hurt you, and now you hate them. You, you don't have forgiveness. You get bitter. And before you know it, you're no longer 
able to live out the destiny that God has called you for. And it's not just about you. It's about all those that you would affect, and then all those that they affect, and then all those that they affect, and then all those they affect. You are a stone thrown into a pond that ripples out. Every single one of us, whether you ever preach from a stage or not, the life that you live has an infinite, yeah, infinite ripple effect for generations to come. And so if the devil can wipe you out just because of evil is seemingly is prevailing, and so you get into worry, and then you get into fretting, and it says it leads only to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed again, demonic forces, not people. But those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. And the Bible says that he gives the nations as his inheritance. The nations. The nations. And that includes this nation. You know, I'm called overseas. I'm going to be going back and forth, back and forth. I don't know how God's going to do it all, but I mean, that's the whole point of getting this nursing degree is, is get back to Africa and wherever else God leads me. But it's also about this nation. It's also about this nation. And so stand with me and let's pray. We'll dismiss. Please read this chapter this week, Psalm 37. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for for adjusting us, for giving us a, a chiropractic adjustment in the spirit, Lord, for bringing us into homeostasis, that balance, that equilibrium, so that our spirits and our souls and our lives may prosper. Lord, we repent for fretting. God, it, we have feasted on, we have filled our eyes with, with just all the junk that's going on. And, and Lord, the world, the the messages that want to come from, from the enemy is that he's winning and, and we have no hope. And we may have bought into that some. But Lord, we trust in you. We refocus, we readjust, we recalibrate to trust in you. You are true and let every other media story, media post, every other newscaster be a liar because you are true and you said that you have a plan for us and it's for good and it's not evil that is to bless us and to prosper us with the, that you will bless us that we may be a blessing to those around us lord you said that our inheritance is the very nations and so lord i thank you that you are moving across this nation that you are moving across the world lord i thank you that you are moving in hearts supernaturally even dreams and visions and supernatural encounters and so father i thank you that wherever we go we advance we press forward into you that we may dwell in this land and have it as our inheritance, as, as we feast on you, as you are our good pasture, Lord, that we would make the difference in other people's lives, that they would not go to hell, but they could join us in glory. Lord, I pray that you would give each of us a revelation of heaven and hell. Whether you take us there or we just gain an understanding, you know, whatever, Lord but that we would have a true understanding of the eternity, the, just the, the finality of eternity. That we would take a, a proper 
view, a proper world view of what's going on around us and how we interact even on a, on a personal basis with those around us. And so, Lord, I thank you that you are moving in us. You haven't given up on this nation. You haven't given up on this world. There is a remnant. And we say, Lord, here we are. Send us. Send us, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen.